Hello, I'm Dick Foth, and I'd like to welcome you to Known, stories to make sense of it all. And these stories are what I call walking books, real-life people from different places, different ages, different cultures, and I want to have some conversations with them across disciplines and generations and cultures in order to encourage a kind of knowing, uh, fresh lenses through which to see the world. One of those lenses will be scripture, or more specifically, Jesus of Nazareth, whose life, I believe, changed the course of the history of the world. So, thanks for listening in. Great to have you with us. So today is the second part of a two-part conversation with Justin and Mackenzie Matthews. These are friends of mine who work with young people. They love each other, and they love young people. Uh, middle schoolers up through young adults are sort of their bailiwick, whatever that means. I love that word, but whatever that means, that's where they live and spend their hours and their days. And recently we had the chance to um, deal with probably the most significant central issue in human dynamics, certainly in the last decade, as it relates to young people. Here we go. My question for the day is, when I say social media, what do you think of? The first word that comes to my mind is fascinating. Okay. Followed by inspiring and dangerous. Okay. <laughs> do you have any words to add to that, Justin? <laughs> I think yeah. that covered everything. Uh, I, I think of social media as from a middle school or high school um, perspective, I would say it is connection as middle school and high school kids see as connection. Okay. All right. So in 2007, I think this date is right. In 2007, the iPhone, the smartphone was introduced and it, it has changed the world, literally changed the world. Mm -hmm. So talk to us, to me and to our listeners about what you see as the things that are fascinating, inspiring, mm -hmm. and dangerous. Just jump into that, and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, we'll just have a little conversation here. Totally. Well, I would say, I mean, I have and love all the social medias myself. So I enjoy them all. I think they're really fun. I connect with people near. I connect with people far. Um, they're fun for me. And so, I think so. All the social media. I know. I should. I do, well. Let me see if I know them all or some <laughs> of them. Okay. I know. I'm older, so I know Facebook, obviously. Obviously. Twitter. Uh huh. Snapchat. Yes. Instagram. Yes. Wasn't there something called Vine? Yeah, but that, that? that I don't went think. Away. Just, it just yeah, I think like, Vine's gone now. Oh, it's yeah, gone. it was a touch and go, so mm -hmm. that didn't count. But there will be others mm -hmm. coming along. Totally. Coming, okay, so that's all. Go ahead. Yes, I don't have Vine, but I have yeah. all of the other ones. Yes. And I enjoy them and use them. I see a lot, especially young people, you know, high school, college, um, even young adults, peers, and the way they use social media. I think that's always really, really interesting. Um, within each of the social medias, um, you know, there's some things when you think about what is dangerous about them, the amount of um, just the numbers that are associated to certain things, like how many followers you have or how many people are affirming or liking the things that you're doing. Um, there's a thing on Snapchat called a snap streak, where if I send you a photo and you send a photo back to me in a day, we get a number. 
and if, however many days we do that in a row, it adds to our numbers of saying how long our snap streak is. So recently, I was spending time with this uh, friend of mine that's a high school student, and she was showing me her Snapchat, or she had her Snapchat open or something, and I was looking at her homepage, and she had a snap streak that had like 570-something days on the snap streak. And I was like, get out of town. Or I was so con- so curious about that and asking her about that. Um, and and I was like, is this real? And she's like, oh, she gave her login. When she went to summer camp, she was out of service range and she gave someone else her login so that they could log in and like send something for her just to maintain that number. So the idea of that number being such a big deal. Okay, so it sounds to me that what some people call connection, other people would see as competition. Mm-hmm. And when we chatted before, you said something about comparison, mm-hmm. that social media perhaps is less about connection in it, in, behind the scenes mm-hmm. than it is about comparison. And I think the line that was said was, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. So, Justin? You work with what age group? I work with middle school, high school, and college. Okay, so let's just look at middle school. Okay. What would the youngest middle schooler be? Ten years old? Uh, eleven. I 11 think it's like eleven to fourteen-ish. Mm-hmm. And they're on social media. Oh yeah. So talk to me about. Give me a couple of anecdotes about how you how you have seen social media work with your age group. Yeah, and so I, I think of I think of Instagram. That's the that's the social media I have. I don't have Snapchat and and I, I look at Twitter for almost my news to kind of yeah. get mm-hmm. uh, the news. And Instagram you can kind of get that with with Instagram the news, but for the most part it by, is by news you mean like world news? Yeah, world news, news okay. sports news. Okay. But but Instagram yeah. is your telephone. Yeah. If you more will, or less of, of this age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and I, I, I remember a student, and when Mackenzie and I were living in California, I remember a student would go onto her Instagram and she would follow like thousands and thousands of people just so they would follow her back. And then after two or three weeks, she would go through and then unfollow all these people. And I remember talking to her about this and like, how long does this take? And she's like, well, the last time I did it, it took four hours, four hours to go through her friend group just to unfollow people. So it made it look like she had more followers than people she's following. Mm -hmm. And so that is very true even here in Colorado with middle school students. Mm-hmm. Middle school students, um, they, they're very, very insecure, and they want to have this number associated with them, and it's a very big comparison thing. Every single student wants to, first off, have more uh, followers than people they follow. So they want that number to be bigger. And I remember someone talking about a ratio, and they call it like your follow ratio. And, and you I just think of that, and I think of the amount of hours and time put into this for something that, for I would assume a parent, just seems so silly. But for a middle school kid, I would almost say that it's not just silly, or it's it's more than just silly. It's 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 their life. Yeah, absolutely. It's, so at the heart of this discussion, we find comparison, and comparison has a twin called competition. Nothing wrong with comparison and nothing wrong with competition. The exception being how often, how long, 
How intense? To what end? Why are we doing it? And uh, things that are constant, if you have constant comparison and constant competition, and there's no other metric by which to evaluate things, it can become very challenging. It sounds like dis-ease. Not, not disease, but dis-ease. Yeah. That, that it, is a, it is a way of establishing my identity every day, mm-hmm. every hour. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working on who I am, and I get that from you. I, I'm, you, my, my network. Right. So if, if you, you know, we talk about cyberbullying. But there is a sense in which, especially for younger folks, it sounds like it could be cyber intimidating or cyber jailing because I freeze you out, if you will. Is that, am I overstating Mm -hmm. that? I don't think so. I I think today students are are always comparing themselves, no matter what it is they're doing, whether it's sports. Which is human nature. Right, which is sports. uh, It could be grades. It could be who you're Mm -hmm. dating, who you're not dating, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. They're always comparing each other, and now it's even more dangerous because they have a number that associates with how they compare to someone else. Mm -hmm. So so I don't only get a grade in my math class. Mm -hmm. I get a grade in my social class. Totally. And anything that they post... They're waiting for that affirmation. So the second that you post something, you're looking at how many likes it's gotten. People will refresh it over and over and over again so they can see how many numbers they're getting, how liked that thing is. So there's almost like anxiety filled with that. I knew a high school girl who said, oh, if I don't have 50 likes on a picture, I delete it. It's embarrassing. You know, there's that, there's that wow. response that's like, oh, if, it's, if, I'm not, if I'm not getting that affirmation of I try to put something. And they spend a lot of time in, I mean, I would say some high school kids, not all high school kids or young people in general, spend a lot of time thinking about what they're putting on their Instagram specifically. So well-taken photos, um, they're thinking of captions, they're spending a lot of time thinking about or curating what they're choosing to put out there. So this is, this is, um, this is the 2000 uh, or, the, or the 21st century version of putting my best foot forward. Yes. That phrase comes from those old colonial things where you had silver buckles on your shoes, and you see these pictures of these guys standing with one foot in front of the other, and it was literally putting your best foot forward. That's the beautiful thing that catches Mm -hmm. the attention. Mm -hmm. This is that. But if I'm a soccer player, let's say, it isn't just that now I'm comparing myself to the other soccer players in my class or in my school or in my county or in my league. I'm comparing myself to a kid in Mumbai or in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. That seems to me that, that that's overwhelming for me, and I'm an old dude. Mm-hmm. And for somebody just getting their identity, seems to me that is so counterproductive in the long haul mm-hmm. that it's just debilitating to a person, to a person, if you will. Totally. Uh, so... So on the one hand, it's fascinating mm-hmm. and inspirational mm-hmm. because you can you can get cute videos that sure. are are you know or inspiring talks, yep. all of that. But but it's the inter. It isn't that I just go on the internet and get the inspiring talks or get those passed around. It's that when I'm communicating with you at some level, uh, you're evaluating me. Is that right? Or to what degree is that correct, my, mm-hmm. my statement? I mean, I think when it's 
young people looking at young people. Yes. There is a there is a bit of evaluating or comparing, but I, I feel like sometimes that lens is just more inward, thinking of how they're not those things. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily maybe evaluating, but I think sometimes it's like cyberbullying. Sometimes that is like very much evaluating or judging the people that they look at. Mm-hmm. But if it's someone is perceived to be a professional or someone is perceived to be as impressive, I feel like it's like a different category. Okay, so so you guys are investing your whole lives with young people from from middle school through young adulthood, okay? Could you do what you do in terms of trying to have positive influence encourage the following of this Jesus of Nazareth person. Could you do what you do today without social media? I believe so. Um, I, I almost never post anything on social media. Um, I think the biggest thing about social media, the reason I have it is I, I try to stay relevant right. to, to middle school students. I'm no longer a middle school student, so I kind of don't really know what's going on. Right. And I think middle or I think social media kind of keeps me in that loop uh, a little bit longer. But to, to say that I could I do this without social media, I, I say absolutely. Mm-hmm. And how would you do that without social media? Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to communicate. There's a lot of ways to be in each other's lives. Um, whenever whenever we well, I, on Thursday nights, I, I meet with a with middle school kids, and we normally go to what we call man night, and we go and do we do man things on man night. And normally, it's like eating wings and stuff like that, and not using napkins. That's and, certainly a man thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And so um, we do we do that, and then I always say that whenever we get there. I don't think anybody's really ever on their phone. I would say for the most part, um, just because they know that in our small group that we have on Wednesday nights that you're not allowed to be on your phone. So that's a rule on Wednesday yeah, nights. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're not allowed to be on your phone. Okay. And I, I think it's they've realized that uh, being without your phone or without social media while you're all together is fine. Like even when I took guys to camp, I've taken my small group to camp three times for three years. And every year I collect their cell phones when we get to camp because I don't want them to be on their cell phone the whole time. Sure. You want it, to experience whatever, right? And I remember the first the first year, it was like a it was a battle. Every kid's like, "Why can I have my phone?" All this stuff, and I I kept telling them, "I said, hey, you just gotta trust me. I promise it's better. I promise it's better. Just trust me." And then I remember the next year, it, kids just kind of gave their phones willingly. Here it is. Here's my phone. Don't need it for the week. And then in eighth grade, I remember there was about four or five new students like, "We have to give our phones up." And I remember a student looking at him going, "Hey, it's way better without your phone." <laughs> and so and the peer deal kicks in. Yeah, and so I really believe that our time, that at least the time that I get to spend with middle school students, I believe that they truly believe that it's better without their phone sure. mm-hmm. because we get to hang out with one another. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do believe that I could do what I do without social media. I think sometimes it does make it a little easier. Sure. Um, and I also think it helps me promote what we're doing yeah. much better. So, so it's an informational tool. Absolutely. To, to get the word out. How about you, McKinnon? Oh, yeah. For the you for getting the word out. Yeah, that's I mean, that's it's good. huge. Yeah. I use it for, I mean, I hardly sure. ever print anything yeah. anymore yeah. because well, everything is on social media. if you want to have a flash mob and sing a song. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I do a lot of, you know, trying to do advertising or building new relationships. Right. That's where it's a, a really effective way to do that. Okay. Um, I think with relationships that we already have, it's the ability to know things that are happening 
in their lives. Like I can see something and ask them about it later. Like I remember, especially with some high school kids, there was something where a high school kid had tweeted something about like very aggressive, some very aggressive tweet where she looked really angry. Yeah. And I was like, hey, what's going on? Like yeah. Twitter told me, <laughs> Twitter told me that you said this. And it was, you know, it's able to see the students in different elements of their lives and being able to ask them and connect with them about things going on with them. I think it's possible to do it outside of the realm of social media, but I agree that it makes it easier because you can just know the things that they're choosing to put out there and you can ask them about that or you can say, this is such a big part of your life. I can be curious about it. So you're doing the evaluating. <laughs> kind of. You're, you know, because if it, it's, it's a feeling I have, but it isn't just that I'm saying it to you. I'm saying it to 38 other people. Mm-hmm. And learning that 38 other people have 38 different opinions is something mm-hmm. that comes with maturity, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm still learning that, and I, you know, it's been a while. <laughs> I, I, I heard somebody say, I don't have a relationship with people anymore. I have relationships mm-hmm. with my devices. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something about um, the idea of addiction mm-hmm. connected with it. I mean, I think there are even camps now for people who feel addicted to their devices, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you aware of those camps, or have you, have you heard about that? I have heard about them. I'm not yeah. aware of any, or I don't like know of anyone who's been there, but I have heard of them. Because yeah, I, I, was, I was reading the other day about that. So, okay, here's, here's this platform for communication. I mean, back, you know, almost 100 years ago now, the telephone came into existence, and that became a new thing. It changed the culture. The automobile, 100 years ago, came into existence. It changed the culture. Mm-hmm. The credit card came into existence. It changed the birth control pill in the 60s. It came into changed the culture. And forever it will be changed. It cannot go back. So this is true of the, of the telephone made personal, because it's not just a telephone. It is, in fact, this, this a storage center for my life. I'm a parent, let's say, of a 14-year-old or an 18-year-old, and I want to help um, the student know how to um, how to handle this arena and not have the arena handle me. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we so thoughts mm-hmm. or any other thoughts you have, you can go any way you want with this. I'm I'm a very firm believer in accountability. Um, okay. I, I believe that that what you post online and what you look at on your phone and all that stuff, uh, you need to be accountable for. Um, I know parents that say that their student isn't allowed to have their phone past 9 o'clock. Their phone goes in the bedroom with mom and dad, and they're allowed to look at anything they want to look at. And I know all, all, all sorts of kind of things like that. And You mean the parents yeah. are able to look at their phone? Yeah, the parents are able yeah. to look at their, their, their son or their daughter's phone. That's an understanding. Yeah, and it's an understanding. It's one of those things that, like, I know a friend of mine, Bob, with his daughter, he was saying that I paid for this phone, so I'm letting you know right Right now that I'm allowed to look at anything on your phone. So if you want a phone, this is the this is the kind of the contract we're in. And and at first I would it was pretty it was pretty bad. But now now Riley Bob's daughter just gives it to Bob willing. Here you go. Absolutely. Sure. We I get it. And so I always say that parents should always have some rules for for their phone. Uh, I mean today I mean we have the world at our fingertips always in our pocket and, and in our heads. And yeah. And and I just feel like that could. Be 
be that could be super dangerous. And um, and to be honest with you, I mean, you can access anything on Instagram, on sure. Twitter, oh, yeah. on Facebook. I mean, you can you can you can see anything you want, like yeah. basically. And so, um, I, I really believe that parents should be involved and invested in that. And, mm-hmm. and, um, I even had a parent, this was a years ago that said, well, Hey, can you, uh, check in on my son's Instagram every couple weeks and let me know what's going on. And I remember saying, no, <laughs> but I'll show you how to do that. I'll show you how to set up an account. And so mm-hmm. I just think that the more invested you are, the better. I, I really believe that it could be really dangerous without any accountability. Mm-hmm. So, so a parent communicating with a child, vice versa, sets the stage for whatever other communications the child has or the young person has with folks beyond that circle. So step one is lets us have communication, right. understand, and this is true in a home when I was growing up, we didn't have that. We still had to have, okay, these are the guidelines. and the, So this is just guidelines for a different arena, right. right? It's just that that arena is very active, and it's pinging me. It's coming after me because I'm a dollar. This is all about money for the people who are, who, who are setting things up. That's not being cynical. At the end of the day, any program, any kind of thing that's going on, somebody's making money off that. Right. That's how it is. That's the macro picture. The, the micro picture is how do I help my child, my young adult, um, learn to manage life mm-hmm. that comes in on that little screen or on that. Is that, is that fair to say that? Totally. So, any, any other thoughts? Yeah. Whenever I talk to parents about this, I always encourage them to be curious and try to like come to their students with curiosity saying, hey, tell me about this. Right. Or things that you hear, um, like asking about the new Snapchat update and be like, I heard that you can see where people are on a map. Like, I would love for you to show me that. Is that something you see? Or asking them, hey, what do you think are the problems with this? Where do you see this in, in your friends? Like, I think it's always um, a win if you can get your kids talking about those types of things or having conversations about how it's dangerous, trying to trying to shift their perspective and be curious in a way that is a, is a conversation that is safe and not a conversation that is threatening. Because I know a lot of parents that are coming at this being like, nope, you're not allowed, it's over. Sure. You know, it's very like, it's rule-based, which it has to be to a degree. But if you can also create some trust and some safety to have conversations about issues with it, issues they see in their peers, questions, just trying to be curious um, and trying to monitor and at least know and understand the social media that their kids are on. So so parents creating conversations that are about life, part of which has to do with social media, rather than letting social media create the conversation in which parents may or may not be involved. Mm -hmm. Coming back to that whole piece. You know, we have single moms, single dads listening to this, and and it's a it's a challenge as a single parent. It's just a challenge, let alone social media. That's a whole other <laughs> arena. Mm-hmm. But, but to consider to consider um, the time together at one's house, mm-hmm. an entire dinner table conversation. Let's say dinner table is a metaphor for that, where you can put commas in the conversation. You don't have to fix it all tonight. You don't have to solve it all or understand it all. It seems to me that to create a conversation as a family, as parents and young people, to create a conversation that includes something about social media, 
so that you don't have to have that big conversation all the time. It doesn't always become the flashpoint. Mm -hmm. Seems to me that would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I think any time we can have a conversation about something and not just wait till they're in trouble Mm -hmm. is always best. Mm -hmm. Uh, I always say that I get parents, I get emails from parents from everywhere between social media. I don't like what they're posting on social media too. I don't like the music they're listening to. And and my advice is to always make it a conversation and not so much of just you got caught doing this, now you're in trouble and try to get out ahead of that and make it a conversation before it gets there. We're, we're going to give you, Mackenzie, the, the, the closing word here. Cool. And for those of you listening, our, our nickname for Mackenzie is Mac. She is known as Mac yeah. during the, uh, mm-hmm. around here. Hmm. Yeah, I would just say, wanting to look at social media and seeing the positives of social media, I think it's yes. really easy to be very scared. It's very, I teach a, a class about social media to some of our parents here at our church, and every, every time parents get so scared about all the bad things that can be associated with social media, but I think there is a lot of good things that are that are in all the social medias as well, in finding where, where students are creative, where young people are creative, trying to look for the positive things and ask about the positive things, and not always living in fear about all the things that, you know, are negative and are hard and are, you know, dangerous about social media. So that's what I would say. So, so when I read the story of Jesus, I'm reading the story of what we would call today a millennial. <laughs> and he went to the places where people gathered. He went to the dinner table. He went to the wells. Um, that's where he went. I, uh, what do you think? You think he'd be on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> like to think he Acor- would be on Twitter. According to Twitter, he already is. <laughs> so. Well, there you go. Yeah. And, and with that, my dear friends, <laughs> we, we sign off. Thanks, Thanks a million, guys, for hey, being with me. Appreciate it so much. <laughs>